0: Welcome back to the Coaches Rising podcast. I'm Joel and I have been on a break from this podcast, rejuvenating and resting and I feel great. It's good to be back in the saddle. We've got plenty of great podcast guests coming up for you over the coming year, exploring and revealing the transformational encounter in coaching. Today's guest is Arawana Hayashi and Arawana is currently on the core faculty at the Presencing Institute where she heads the creation of the Social Presencing Theatre. She collaborates with Otto Sharma and others. Arawana has a background in the arts, meditation, dance and embodiment work and is always greatly appreciated by the participants in our online programs when she teaches with us. So today we're going to be exploring Arowana's work with the social presencing theater. In particular, we will be exploring how we can begin to trust sense perceptions and cultivate presence, how we can attend to our experience so that it can be a resource. We'll explore social presencing theater, how we can have a vision and in that vision we might feel stuck and how we can unlock that by welcoming the stuckness and how our bodies hold immense wisdom in that process. One last thing before we dive in, If you are a coach or a facilitator, you can join our ever-growing community of of coaches and facilitators who are deeply passionate about this art and the depths that we can go to by heading to coachesrising.com. You can find the sign-up box there and put your name in and you'll stay in the loop about all the cool things that we create. All right, so that being said, let's dive in. Here's the podcast with Arowana Hayashi. So, Arawana, it's really beautiful to be with you. I've just enjoyed our little check-in. Uh, how are you in this moment?
1: Um, just very pleased to be invited. Really happy, Joel, to be part of this um, conversation.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think uh, the work you've been doing, uh, the social presencing theatre work, and. Your work with embodiment and with theory, U is uh, really going to speak to the coaches listening to this. So um, I'm excited for our conversation and and where it will go. I think a good question actually for you to to begin with would be: Could you just say a little bit about the work you have brought into the world, what you're up to, and and why? Really, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's a big <laughs> big question. But.
1: Uh, so, uh, you know, I started as a child, as a dancer. And, um, and you know, much to the horror of my uh, parents, I continued in that um, as an adult. And I was always interested in um, how groups of people co-create together. And in this case, it was in the performing arts. So. Very early in the 1970s, I started. Uh, I uh, started meditating in a, with a teacher in, in the mid 1970s, and so I was interested in this relationship between awareness and collective creativity. And I was interested at that time with a group of dancers. Uh, they weren't actually dancers; they were just people, and not trained as dancers, particularly. And I was interested in whether we could co-create work that was high enough to be performance level, that people could come and look at it. Because most of improvisation is just deadly boring, you know, and self-discipline. <laughs> so, you know, what is the craft of making something that actually comes out of openness and spaciousness and this relationship of the various people and elements and what is that? This a constant, wakeful um, making. So that, you know, has been my question probably since the 1970s, early 1970s. But I'll tell you the truth, but not that many people were interested in this. So I, I taught this material and, and worked on this for decades. But then in, in um, 2003, I met Otto Scharmer. Actually, before that, I met Peter Senge. You know who that is. Some of us know him um, a real um, and a pioneer and, and brilliant thinker around so systems. Us uh, and so at MIT, and then he brought um, Otto to this um, conference in Halifax, um, and I met Otto there. And for some reason, this was a, a click. Um, that he was articulating what now is theory you and the you process, which really has to do with this joining inner kind of inner uh, knowing with outer change. And he was interested in embodiment, bringing something that can bring in more heartfelt, more holistic embodied knowing. And also in this idea of how, um, his, his, his language is called the, the social field, the quality of relationships of people, how that can be the basis for a real innovation and, that we need on the planet now. It brings real humanity and compassion and wisdom uh, into some of the enormous challenges that we have. So that's been my journey. And... Um, uh, it kind of intention to be useful in that way and now we have a a, a lovely sort of community of people practicing social presence in theater and uh, globally so that uh, feels like um, a contribution to the good work that so many people are doing now including your, um, your organization
0: yeah brilliant there's so many things you shared there um I think the first thing I'd like to ask you about is the uh you know how, how perhaps you said you met a meditation teacher how that might have influenced you in your your kind of experience of working with this sense of you know I'm, I mean as I hear you speak you know you said constant wakeful making I think and I and I and I uh, hear this Quality of emergence and intelligence that that can we can tap into. I don't know if that's the right word. And just to preface, like before you answer this, because I notice in the field of coaching, at least in my uh, interests and my circles, a, a big move from uh, a kind of coaching which is only uh, you know using the mind a lot, thinking about what do we want, strategizing. Um, uh, towards uh, the recognition that there's there's a greater intelligence, and if we let go of a control of the process, uh, we can actually allow some something kind of takes over qualities of presence, qualities of wakefulness, start to, uh, to infuse the coaching process, and and that has a far greater wisdom and intelligence than that part of our minds which is you know analyzing um, strategizing and and that's really encouraging and i kind of i wonder how that speaks to you and yes yeah, so this question about your teacher and um the the experience of of working with openness and spaciousness that you described to speak about that
2: mm-hmm. i think
1: one thing that's helpful is is that experience, right, what we experience, let's say, in our sense knowing, what we see, what we hear, what we feel, the sense physically, let's say a moment of experience, right, is not the same as what we think about it. And generally experience is filtered through everything from the past that defines who we are, you know, our education, our beliefs, our assumptions, our likes and dislikes, our opinions, all of this kind of rich material of this thing called me. Um, our experience is filtered through that, this conceptual framework. And the helpful thing about meditation is it allows us to separate the kind of what we think, how we make meaning, how we interpret something from the actual experience. So the using the body more helps us be, A, more grounded on the earth's body so that we are not living in this just mind world. It joins the, um, the knowing, like, like when I use the word awareness, I, I'm talking about two things. One is openness, that just curiosity of, oh, what's this moment? That kind of curiosity. But it also, awareness is knowing, that it's knowing that's not always filtered through um, my ideas of what it should be, how it could be. Um you know all of this, so there's more so it's not to say that analytical thinking and strategy is not important, but it's just bringing more in balance. sometimes I think it's a restorative justice project. The voice of the mind is so prominent, and this is what we should do, and this is what we could do, and this is how it should be, and the body's voice is behind here unless there's you know pain or illness but Generally, it's not heard. And so the, our work is more just trying to bring the body's voice to be louder, more vibrant, more present, and to trust that sense perceptions, basically. The word presencing, interestingly enough, which is made up, um, a made up word, social presencing theater, is a combination of the word sensing, using the body as a sense organ. And one that knows and that we could trust and um, being present or just being, um, having presence, right? That each of us has an enormous presence. You know, we don't end at our skin and that presence and genuine presence. And again, I use the word wakeful, that we're just listening and attending with openness That's a very, very powerful resource and oftentimes underutilized resource. Presencing. Social means that our work is generally done in groups. And the word theater here means that that um, sense of presence and the body itself are highly visible. The The root of the word theater is a place where something is visible and the body is quite visible. So we're not talking about acting or pretending particularly here, but we're talking about the fact that we see one another and we feel, we have the sense of one another. And that in itself can be um, under underutilized because we're so, as you said, involved in uh, solving the problem, for instance, or, Getting it right, or fixing this thing, or for that matter, changing this thing, even though you know we call ourselves change agents, change is happening anyways. So it's it's really uh, this sense of attending to this moment, and what is this moment?
2: What is this moment um, None for?
1: Oh if, if, if I can go on just a moment more, there is something about the work that um, is built upon this sense that there's healthiness in every system and in every person that we speak with, in ourselves in teams, in social systems, they are not toxic at the core they don't want to be unhealthy they don't want to be um,
2: you know Poisonous. That's not what
1: people want. But there's a sense of the body and the mind learning and, and going toward healthiness. And, and as coaches, we listen to that. We listen to the, the health and the brilliance and the wisdom and the kindness in people. And that's what becomes more visible by our hearing, becomes more present by the way we listen.
2: Yeah.
0: That's beautiful. I, I like that idea of a of a facilitator or a coach. Coach's role holding space for that organic uh, impulse to to uh, for the health to thrive to blossom. Uh, that that's the coach's role. They can hold that kind of space for it. And maybe this is a good uh, place to speak a bit more about the uh, social presencing theater and what what is happening in those spaces? Uh, and, and we could also maybe weave in this sense of, um, I've heard you speak about and write about like the future emerging, you know, the, 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 possible future emerging here in this moment. So, yeah. Could you say a bit more about what happens in these, uh, these spaces that you're creating? We can
1: describe what happens, but why we don't know. Yeah. <laughs> No research on this whatsoever. <laughs> um, but um, yes, that one premise is that in every kind of stuck, what we call a stuck, stuck for us means something that we're engaged in, which is not moving forward, something that we are trying to create, could be a relationship, could be a project, whatever it is, something that we're, that we have some kind of vision about, let's say, that we would like to create. But it isn't
2: moving forward. And that's what we call a stuck.
1: And we, the premise is, is that if one could really not regard, we disregard, the, the, let's say, we suspend, let's say, the notion that this is a problem, first of all. If this is not a problem that we need to fix. This is part of an innovation process, part of the creative process. There will always be obstacles. There'll always be challenges. There'll always be places that aren't moving forward. And we just welcome that. We, in fact, we're delighted to have this stuck. And, and uh, I often say that I think slow is highly overrated. I'm very interested in the stuck places. <laughs> <laughs> nice. They're so interesting, right? <laughs> So, um, first of all, we're going to turn toward whatever the stuck is. And there are four of our practices that are variations on this, what we call Sculpture One to Sculpture Two. Sculpture One could be simply our current situation with various stakeholders or various elements, and it could also be a stuck, the Sculpture One. And then we go through this little process. And those of us that are familiar with the U and the U journey, it has a little sequence of first clarifying, sensing in, letting go of any of these ideas or concepts or uh, opinions, staying with not knowing. We have a lot of value in not knowing and not doing, waiting
2: with this kind of openness, and
1: then something emerges. And in our case, it's a gesture. So you're going to set up the physicality of a stuck, whether it's one person or you have a a little, what we call a group stuck, in which there's one stuck person and forces, because nobody's ever stuck by themselves. There's forces, both external and inner, inner, that keep one from moving forward, right? And you set that up as a little social sculpture. And then by attending to all elements of the sculpture, let's say there are four, four players in the sculpture, by attending to what the physicality feels like, what does the body feel like? So it's not that we're working on an emotional level, particularly that would, that would be more like psychotherapy or, or something that uh, trauma work, all this wonderful work that is not exactly what... We, I, certainly, I'm not trained well in that. So it's the, just the physicality of the shape. What does the, the body actually feel like in relationship, in spatial relationship with the other bodies? Okay. And then, again, going through this little process, clarifying, sensing them, letting them go. In with things. Okay. Then we'll start somewhere because stuff is not sustainable, Right? If there's not the one nature that's stuck, it'll start to move. And we move collectively as one social body. As you say, this quality of relationships. What is it that? Where is our place in this little journey from one to two? A minute or so, it'll stop in sculpture two, it'll settle somewhere. Each person will smile their shape has something to say. What is that? They are part of the system, has a voice. What is that? They say a word of things. And then the little group can just reflect on what happened, what did we see, what did we do, what did we feel, very strictly on the um, data. In other words, we don't jump to the, this means this, and oh, I could do that. But we stick with the data for a very long time. When I saw this, I did that. Or when I did that, I felt this very specifically on the data. After which then it opens in what we call a generative conversation, in which you say, what was that about? And how does that relate to what's going on in my life? So we don't call that a stuck to unstuck. We call it stuck to sculpture too. Sometimes sculpture too can reveal that we're way more stuck than we thought. There's a much deeper level of um, resistance and holding um, there than we might have thought, and that's good news for us. You know, it's good news that we have a, a, a deeper understanding of what's going on. So that's that's the method, more or less. Um, it starts with working on one's own body, and there's some practices for that. There are duet practices that I think would be very um, helpful for coaching. Um, and uh, yeah, mm. I think that's a, a, yeah, no. a description that works in some way. It really has to do with just staying with the physicality and the spatial relationships, and being yeah. much more sensitive, much more tuned, attuned. attuned that, what's actually the here, and that's where our um, next steps for a future come from.
0: What strikes me about that experience is on the one level, it's like you're practicing a really important quality of perception you know, like what's my embodied experience yes. in relationship to everything around me. Okay. You know, and I think that to me is is just such a, a key quality of perception for us to begin to cultivate more or to access more in general as we move out of a worldview where yeah you know like a, a time where we've emphasized logic and rationality, and again not to not to denigrate that, but to say uh, there's a balancing taking place, but there's something about you know and all the metaphors like the mechanical kind of metaphors we've talked about like even like the word like spiritual technology you know we everything a lot of our metaphors are kind of uh but like there's something more organic about this it's like it's nature it's the physical body in relationship to 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 life as part of life mm-hmm. and and uh, there's a profound intelligence in that so that strikes me and then just the sense of uh how there's an unfolding taking place. It sounds like there's, you know, yeah, you don't say it's, we're moving from stuck to unstuck, but something more is being revealed. And I'm curious about, if you could just say a little bit more about what's unfolding, do you find that people start to uh, maybe integrate or, you know, like some something can start to unfold in them, which might give them more capacity to, To to be with this project, they brought in, or uh, you know, maybe if it's a group or a team, they start to start to access a quality of experience or or insight that then allows them to you know to again to uh, to to make progress or uh, serve that project in some way.
1: Right, that's the intention, Joe. Is that that this tiny little um, tiny little essence, you're trying to get to the essence of something, that that unlocks or opens up some kind of insight. It could be on a a variety of different levels, to tell you the truth. It can be just on as simple as, oh, I noticed that this element moves before that one, or that the top of the body, for instance, the the focus changes, for instance, or the the heart is more... um, Closed and then it moves to more open, or the stance is is you know I feel like the shift is more open or more closed or more resting or more stretching. I mean, just basic um, basic physicality. This can um, lead to this second stage, which is the word. And I'm not quite sure what to call that. It's like a ceremony word or something. The first level, it's not a description of something. It's a it's a word that comes out of the shape. Like if this body were a sculpture in a museum and it had a name, but what is the what is the sculpture saying? Which is not the same as what when I think about this. Those are two different things. So there's something about accessing this other kind of knowing and this. Strange thing about this, Joel, that I, it happened because of the pandemic where we had to move this online. And at first we thought, I thought, this is not possible. But of course, it, we, we needed to do it. So like just an individual stuff, let's say, that's a practice that is in our courses. So I could have a stuck, you could be there, and maybe somebody else. There's three of us in a room. Breakout out work. And I, you're watching, and the other person watching, I do my step, sculpture one, you know, and then I build that, and then I go through this process, right, of how it's going to um, transform into whatever that is, sculpture two, and then I say my word of praise, And the two other people who I've never met before, <laughs> who are in different places on the planet, they reflect that. And they can only say, I saw or I felt. That's all they can say. They can say, I saw, it could quite little, I saw that your hands were closed and sculpture one and they moved to open. Or I saw, it could be figuratively, I saw a nest and then a bird flew out, for instance. They could be figurative. Or they can say, when I saw yours, I felt tired. Or I felt, um, I felt my body was off balance. They have to talk about themselves. And I'm telling you, Joel, people say the most amazing things about my situation. They don't know anything about my situation. They've just seen sculpture, what the sculpture do. They say things that unlock. Something that I know, but I can't access. Deep down in there somewhere, I know this, but I can't access it. And then someone else, a complete stranger, is seeing, feeling something about in their own body. And they say a word or a phrase that completely shifts how either I think about something, how I feel about something, or it makes a suggestion of what to do next. It could be on any level, right? That, that in, in here, you, there's this open mind, open heart, open will. So it could be a, that I have a shift in perspective. It could be that my felt, my felt sense shifts from, you know, I don't know, it could be anything, right? From a, a kind of heaviness to, possibility or from a a kind of uh, ambition to a more resting. I mean, it could be anything, right? And likewise, sometimes it's actually an idea like something happens where I say, "Oh, I could do that. I could, I just suddenly realize that this person would be a good person to contact like somebody else in my sculpture, for instance, or in, in this case, I'm just doing it by myself. But anyways, this is really um, something that then can be applied uh, to a life situation. The other thing that comes out of this, which I notice, is the amount of warmth or affection they, they the team has for one another, even towards uh, uh, obstructing forces, right? And in four D mapping, which is large system mapping, the players who one, one kind of says are the bad ones, you know, they're multinationals are thinking or wherever you want to put, you know, a difficult boss or something. There's something about attending to us as a whole, recognizing that all of us are part of the system. All of us need to change for anybody to change. There isn't a, like... If we drop this thing about these are the oppressors and these are the victims and just lighten up briefly on that, which I'm not saying that that's not important. I'm just saying just lighten up that everyone's has a journey to make here. There's way more basic, I, don't know, I won't go so far as to say compassion, but maybe that warmth and affection for the whole system and it's feeling that one is, there isn't any out system out there that's making us do stuff, right? That's not, that's really not uh, in alignment with interdependency or systems thinking. But all of us co-create social reality. I think it we the work couldn't reveal that more, and the that can be a, an insight into actually how you're working with your team or in, in your organization or community.
0: yeah Yeah, i think again that echoes a a message that i've heard in other podcasts on, on uh in this podcast to have this shift into a kind of participatory consciousness or uh you know into into relationality more you know if if you know again yeah we have there are victims and oppressors and of course there are in one level there are but um that can become very reified and fixed you know and if if we're able to meet in this way that you're discussing um it it, it sounds like there's a we're tapping into a a a flow you know or a process that can then something becomes workable and um and and that the knowing is, you know, I hear it's beautiful. You described like the word comes out of the shape. So it's kind of speaks to me of a kind of gnosis, you know, with a G and oh, it's like, it's a, it's a different type of knowing than, you know, abstracting oneself out of experience, like through reason to then kind of make sense out of it. It's no, it's like you're, you're within the, that, that that knowing is come is, is, is part of the, the shape that's there or the, the essence. And I wanted to, you know, you could respond to this. And also when you said that you're following the essence or you're tuning into the essence, um, what, how do you know what that is? You know, and maybe in one way, it's like, you just know, yeah. Like everybody just kind of gets it, but yeah.
1: I I think it's a great question, Joe. I have no idea, quite frankly. Um, You know, part of it is always going to be uh, habitual. You know, the body is also habitual, like the mind, you know. Um, And part of it is is, uh, free of that. And it will always be like that, I think. Um, We're not talking about some kind of um, um, state in which there's a, a, a... We're not talking about any kind of state. But basically talking about a journey of of attending to 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 moment-to-moment-to-moment unfolding of experience. So that's the practice, is staying in the body, staying in the space, in the the sense of, by space, I mean both the social, what we call the social body, the others in our sculpture, and this openness of space, that anything is possible. And this this open-mindedness that we actually have no idea, um, and a willingness to say, you know, what is it that appears out of openness, or out, of, out of nothingness, out of space? What is it that is, is, can be free of some of our, um, our conditioning? But in the end, you know, it's always some dance of, you know, of what. what is kind of stale and what is fresh, let's say. <laughs> but there are these moments, right? There's always moments in which you think, ah, well, it's uh, there's vividness or there's love or there's, um, there's there is some thing that maybe we don't have a word for. Uh, Otto uses the word in presence and source. So that's an open enough word that it could mean anything to people. But he's very, um, we, we use that word when we refer to people being in their vertical, which is that, they, that we live in our source, our sense of genuineness, our sense of what it is to be a genuine human being, and um, and also in our horizontal, which is the sense of inclusion, of, of letting awareness go out and out and out and include what is oftentimes difficult to include uh, include the voices of difference, the voices that are speaking, and that we don't we choose not to hear them. This sense of including the edges of our knowing, um, and so this the I guess this word source kind of is just a, an invitation for all of us to to uh,
2: to allow, let's say, or invite
1: a sense of this openness. And because the social presence in theater is such a condensed, by essence, I mean, it's very condensed. And um, it, like in, in systems mapping, the entire process is under a couple of hours. And in, in stocks, you know, we're only talking about a, 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 you know, a minute of material or a few minutes of material. So it's it's not going on and on and on like a conversation. In other words, you're trying to get to something quickly. And generally in our work, you know, you can talk and talk and talk, but that doesn't necessarily mean anything's going to happen. And so this is some way of getting the whole person and the whole body engaged so that there's not only this curiosity of mind and, and care and compassion of heart, that there's some kind of courage and confidence to just step forward out of one's comfort zone, out of what we know, and actually help out, actually create something that we need on the planet. So it's, 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 it doesn't seem action oriented, but if you're working with the body, <laughs> um, it, it, there's something about it that has to do with um, the confidence to step forward. And this is, this would be in our, theory, like going to the right side of the view, which is really taking our sensing, knowing, taking this um, contemplative mind, let's say, or open mind. Um, Sometimes we encourage retreat practice or stillness practice in all the practices and then being able to to really move forward and, and prototype and actually try stuff out and make mistakes and and just get going on things. So it's there's something about the body that allows that also kind of confidence to to just make stuff. And that's very much encouraged in in the theory you work. Is that it's it, it's not just the theory. Uh, it actually the theory is just one way of you know maybe supporting people in actually making change, which has to be done in groups. It has to be done collectively, you not know. the mm. day of the soul, brilliant, you know, white guys probably uh, over. Yeah. So, <laughs> as you say, it's this participatory um
2: collective um, effort, which is not easy, as you know. It's, mm. it's not easy to, you know, to go, to, to work with, you know,
1: being groups of people trying to make change. And and so coaching, I think, in in terms of the the coaching work is so helpful to help the individual, the individual's uh, flexibility uh, and
2: courage to
1: to really be present in just how they are and um, honor how we are, not just how you want to change, but also how we really are, which uh, contains everything we need, really.
2: Mm. Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, that's a feeling, I'm... though, joel That's a feeling. I mean, that's why we emphasize this body on the earth thing, so heavy. Yeah. what is well-being for no reason at all. Unconditional well-being, just because I'm a human being standing on this earth, under this sky, with these people. That's enough.
0: It yeah. seems like that, that is an important part of our journey right now where, uh, you know, in a way like scientific revolution and reductionism and uh, breaking things down to parts has led to many incredible inventions and insights, but perhaps has uh, led to us uh, privileging logic and reason and and kind of like the material scientific reality mm-hmm. you know so um and and i think per- perhaps has led to us feeling feeling more alienated or uh disturbed you know so so that there is a kind of wholeness and well-being which is possible but it but it comes through the body you know and uh through uh, finding our place on the earth and uh, recognizing that we we were not problems to be fixed, you know. Like there is a there is a wholeness here which can include our brokenheartedness, but it's uh, it's a different kind of innate well being. Um, so, I, yeah, that touches me as you share that, and I kind of think of how well, a lot of what you're describing could actually you know again i'm mindful here not to say like okay just from listening to you coaches can now do this work with their clients It's not what i'm getting at but i'm i can hear how uh if we're working with clients even if it's one-on-one we might invite them into you know uh an embodied uh sense of the shape of stuckness oh yeah and and, and invite a kind of embodied unfolding into that shape too. And as a coach, uh, we could either move with them or we might even just play that role you described of reflecting back on an observational level what they f- saw or felt.
1: Exactly. Either one of those, I think, Gerald. I love this,
2: what you said about both the sense of
1: of well-being, and broken-heartedness. That we're not trying to get away from broken-heartedness. That broken-heartedness is really the motive force for getting out there and helping out. It's compassion, broken-heartedness, right? We we feel the level of suffering of others and of the other beings on this earth itself. We feel that. And the, we need the capacity to hold that feeling. Because that feeling is not pathological. That feeling is being human, right? How deeply sad, how much sorrow there is.
2: And that, we need capacity to feel that
1: and to not think that something's gone wrong. But that, in fact, that is what it is to be human as well as joy and delight and appreciation, of course. So that hard capacity to be both joyful and sad is that that's a capacity of heart, a
2: feeling. And it needs to be um,
1: celebrated somehow, which I'm sure that that is part of the work that you do, rather than fixed. Um, of course, we could all use some improvement. That's not what I'm i I know that's true. We could all be kinder and braver and uh, uh, you know less prejudiced than we are um and yet we also could
2: celebrate um, this this quality um of, of being
1: right partially, the reason so we start this work always with the individual. So it's interesting in terms of coaching that, the, you know, if we use basic mindfulness, right, the mind is thinking when the body is, is walking to the car, let's say, those two, that is a disconnect. It's in, we're not a coherent person. So mindfulness allows us to bring, bring our attention back to the body. Oftentimes, in sitting meditation, that would be the body breathing, the feeling of the body breathing as an object of resting not attention. And, you know, it jumps off and thinks about something and you return it, that basic mindfulness. So the the advantage of that, of course, is that the mind and the body then are synchronized. The mind is not off in its own world, but it's always resting on this feeling of the body. Whether the body is walking or cooking an egg or, or, you know, listening to one's children or or clients or something. The body is always present. You can feel that it's sitting or it's standing or it's walking. So it's synchronized. And the coherence between that, the body and the mind, so they're not two different things. They're actually the same. (laughs) We feel that those are coherent and that we're actually placed, as you just said so beautifully, on the planet that each of us has a spot on the earth right now. And we feel that. There's a natural sense of belonging that, and actually, we belong in this life. We belong on the earth, and that forms a basis for this sense of what we what I'm calling the awareness antennae, which is what my teacher used to call it. Awareness antennae then keep us connected to our external, uh, so-called external environment. This they they keep us connected to nature to trees to other people to the whatever we experience and therefore there's a sense again of coherence and connection that's naturally there between the person and their environment which it would include of course other people but if this is disconnected the mind and the body then it also is very disconnected from its social context or its environmental context and you know that's that feeling as a of a profound disconnection that we don't feel you know don't feel connected and coherent is is present so it always starts again with the individual with support from others as the coach or a team or whatever we we support one another but it is it is also an individual journey of and in our case, using mindfulness awareness as that um, method, let's say, uh, readily available, really, method for uh, just being present. Uh, so, the theory you work is called awareness based systems change. And the awareness based is an encouragement, of course, for everyone to have some kind of formal um, mindfulness awareness or prayer practice or something. That grounds grounds a person into their um, what it is to be present and not need to continually fix oneself, but to feel one's own healthiness, one's own sanity, one's own resilience. Um, and, and the duet form, right, I'm getting wandered off there, I'm sorry, but the duet form of social presence in theater includes this practice which is called Ma in Japanese and on on my book it's the the Japanese calligraphy that's on the cover which is a gap or an interval and um, I think in the book there's a Krishnamurti quote also about listening and how to listen and how you need to suspend what you know So this, I'm sure this is how you train coaches also, that you just don't know. (laughs) And therefore, the the dialogue process of listening and speaking, we always allow this gap or this mind so that the conversation does not just go back and forth and back and forth, but that there's a big gap of not knowing in our case, between every gesture. And that could be also true with conversation, of course. Um, so this, I, I think that's the method
2: for allowing this possibility of, of, of true insight and
1: wisdom to just come to the surface. It's there in every person. We're not sure on wisdom in the moment. But we sure are short on ways of accessing them. Mm. So, yeah, I think it could be done as a duet with two people, or it could be done as as we said, but just as a listener. Yeah,
0: yeah, Yeah, it touches me because, like, as our whole conversation now starts to tune me into the journey we can make as, as coaches. Now I'm speaking to coaches now, but uh, of, of um, becoming comfortable in this not knowing that you're talking about, but that does require as uh, some, at least in my own experience, like some kind of meditation practice, some kind of practice where I can uh, attend to what's here in this moment, mm-hmm. including the parts of me that show up that, feel like I need to get somewhere. I need to be of value for this person in front of me. We need to, we need to solve this problem because they're paying me money.
1: That's a um,
0: yeah. So over time, it's like I, 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 I've through being in, in presence and I particularly like practices like circling, which is like a relational meditation. So it's really plugging people into like, what's it like to be connected, both of us here now? And and so then that that ma that you describe, I can really get a sense of like you start to feel that, you know. But in the beginning, that lack of coherence and the the fear might one one might feel of silence or of uh you know, there's parts that come up that can take over, they can cover over that sense of ma, but one can learn to really love it and appreciate the the aliveness inside of that
1: mm-hmm.
0: experience the, the space for something to to, to begin to emerge into
1: mm-hmm. i think the silence is something that maybe in the beginning is there's resistance but i've you know, been sur- I've been surprised over the 20 years i've been working with Presidency institute when we when i started the whole idea of embodiment and Stillness and like mindfulness awareness was just kind of woo woo, and now that's not the case. You know, people have tried everything else. Maybe I'm not sure why, but just because of the times, um, there's just way more openness to
2: um, to this notion that we really don't know the answer and. Um, you know, we're not experts. um, And we, we, you know, we need to keep listening in this very deep way to one another. And that there's something, the shift is going to be co created
1: from this open space, right? It's not... I mean, to some extent, the coach has more experience, more training, more practices. Right? And then when you're sharing that with others, you're, let's leave the ground out of which you're listening.
2: But it's always,
1: you know, something creative. Yeah. And I assume, I'm not a coach, but i assume that with each conversation, the coach becomes a different person too. <laughs> you know, it's not just a one way situation, I'm assuming, but that it, it also it, it really shifts the mind and heart of the coach, also. Is that the case?
0: Yeah, I think I think so. That's the secret to it, you know, like, because <laughs> I, I mean, that's at least why I find it, it can be incredibly rewarding. Experience and it's it's a co-creation, like you said. I think that's a that's a really powerful distinction you're making. Is it's not it's not really I'm coaching you, although yes, I have training and skills, and you know that that's there. But it's like no, we're co- we're co we're co journeying together, and I don't know where we're going to end up, and uh, that can be intimidating for part, you know for clients as well, but. Yeah. Often they find quite quickly that, oh, what a liberation! What a, ah, oh, I don't have to, I don't have to work this out or try really hard to get somewhere. Actually, there's something, mm-hmm. something that can come infuse the coaching that, that is um, incredibly fulfilling and meaningful. And, uh, yeah,
1: in the stuck practices, you know, we refrain, um, not. Not in a manipulative way, because that's the experience. We framed this is not a problem. It's part of a transformation process. There's always going to be obstacles and challenges. You know that's what life is about. One thing after another, as it were. And so, um,
2: so it's more the uh, it's more
1: seeing everything as you know, as a a co-creative process, living is co-creative. That's what it is. Living is a co-creative process and change happens anyways. But there's something about the way, you know, we all want to be more genuine, more authentic, more useful in the world, uh, more insightful about what our place on the planet is. and um, There's there's something about about the body in that, it's, you know, sometimes in situations where I feel like it's, it's, um, it's I'm going to get resistance, I'll just say things like, you know, I'm kind of a visual learner. Do you mind just getting up and showing me what that would look like, what you just said? If you could make a body shape that expressed what you just said, what would it look like? <laughs> so... <laughs> You know, and you just, it, once you get a person, uh, you know, to, and, and if they can't do it, I say, what about your hand? Let's say, does the, this, what you just said seem more like this shape for the closed hand, or does it feel like it's a shaky hand, or does it feel like one thing is sticking up and something else isn't? Like, what, 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 if you had to, if you had to you make a hand gesture for how, what you just said or how you feel, what would that look like so we could see it? You know, it gets it out of it, like my inner life into something that's visible and yeah. then and then likewise, you could do it with then you could get the person up and on their feet. that's even better. but it's it's um it's, it's a simple way of getting the body, not just saying like uh, like I have a wonderful coach who says it's like, "No, where do you feel that in your body in your mind?" oh I guess it's here you know? <laughs> but um, but what, what I've noticed in the very few times that I've done any coaching is to get a person up and to make the shape and then the shape says something it just jiggles out a kind of ritual way of, of, of being stuck you know
0: <laughs> yeah totally Yeah, I think that's a really beautiful uh, invitation for uh, for the coaches listening. I know a lot of coaches who listen to this are including the body in their work, but mm-hmm. to actually, you know, I'm inspired oh, to actually invite my client to to stand up and uh, to to feel the shape of the, the stuckness and yeah. uh, to, to honor that, you know, as well. Like that, I think that's really key is like, it's not a problem. So like cultivating that attitude of uh, like, Honoring the intelligence in the stuckness in the embodied shape.
1: Oh, gosh, yes. Because you know that in sculpture, we say in sculpt- sculpture two is always embedded in sculpture one. Right. Sculpture two, the future, is always embedded in the present in sculpture one. So our job is just to n- uncover, to notice it, to make it visible. The sculpture too, and to some extent, that means letting go of a lot of, um, you know, a lot of noise around all the different aspects that are saying, "No, no, it's sculpture one. It's stuck. It's where well, I've got this problem because this is a bad one, and I don't have enough money, and blah blah blah, whatever the, the thing is, the story is." Just lighten up on the story a little bit. Stay with the actual feeling because in the feeling itself, the body wants to move. The body, the body, you know, it's it's movement. It's you know, it wants to keep moving. It doesn't want to just be stagnant. So, what is it that wants to move? In it? And that somehow trying in that itself, the experience of the physicality of moving. Jiggles, jiggles out something this you know, it makes the story less solid, so that there's a little bit of this knowing and wisdom in that's innately in every person, right? It's there. It's just we have to try to make it visible and you know, celebrate that a little bit, the tiniest bit of it, so that that, that can grow, rather than that we stick with uh, the problem all the time. Whether it's an individual or which is a system, right, a body mind system, or a larger system, it's it's always a we're always talking about systems. Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, this has been really a rich conversation. Uh, I'm yeah, I really enjoy myself. I'm just wondering um, as we kind of move, you know, towards in the next five ten minutes towards completion. Um, I know you've been describing a lot of practice today, actually, but I'm just wondering if there's a practice that you uh, recommend for coaches. I know we've been talking about mindfulness meditation in a sense and bringing that uh, sense of coherence with mind and body. But I'm just wondering if there are any other practices which you recommend
1: sure.
0: coaches to do, Yeah, either on the cushion or off the cushion. Yeah.
1: Um. So... One of the things about mindfulness, and then I'll move to the question when what, the way that I was having been taught, which is a practice called mindfulness awareness, in other words, it's not mindfulness where you know you close your eyes and you go um, very much into your own um attending to yourself, but the eyes are slightly open, downcast, so that you don't lose track of your um, you know, your space, the back, sides, and fronts, top and bottom, that you're always within the context of your your environmental setup. You don't think of your environment as distracting, but you think of it as just part of, you know, you don't disconnect from your environment. So it's not quite the same practice as as maybe many kinds of mindfulness, which are more withdrawn in. But it's it's trying to see the fluidity or let's say the balance or something between what we think of is inner, our own um, you know thought uh, arising and resolving of thoughts and feeling of the sensation, the perception of the body, and there and its outer spacious and a sense of spaciousness, I guess you could say. So that there's both detail, which is mindfulness, and spaciousness which is awareness so it's it's just a little bit of a that is the practice that that we do within our courses um as what we call an open mind practice we also do every day a little bit of compassion uh, kindness and compassion practice just to be to wake up our heart and to remember that we need to extend kindness and compassion way beyond what's, where it's comfortable but also include people that we don't like, don't agree with, don't trust, whatever, that they're part of the system. And that needs to be, we need to feel that there's connection uh, and how we would skillfully be in those relationships. Um, and then this sense of, of, of a little bit of courage of remembering that we have, that each of us, you know, will be called upon to to experience our own fearfulness and anxiety. And so a lot of our um, open will practice is around working with fear and how important fear is in terms of what's going on in the planet now, but also with each of us individually and how much of it is just in the air. And we really need to develop capacity to be with that discomfort um, and how you know that fearlessness is really an ability to be with the discomfort of fear rather than that we're trying to pretend it isn't there or make it go away somewhere. But we need to, just like this quality that you mentioned earlier of broken we need to be working with our own anxiety and fear in a much more straightforward way rather than, oh, it's a pathology and how do we get rid of it. I mean, to not be afraid on the planet today is to be like completely out of touch. Completely out of touch with what's going on, so you, you sort of have to work with that all the time. So those are practices: open mind, open heart, open will. They're all open. They're open source on the Presenceing website. On my website, those practices—they're not. All of these things are open sourced um, from Presencing Institute, and so they're available to people if one wishes The other thing I would recommend is what we call <clears throat> our twenty-minute dance. Now, this is simple. I, I'll do the instruction, and anybody can do it. And you can do it for any length of time. It doesn't need to be 20 minutes. And it's not a dance, really. But that's what it's always been called, the 20-minute dance. So, again, there are instructions on own. It starts by lying down on the floor. Let's say the content of the 20 minutes or the time period, whatever you decide on the time, is to alternate moving and still. So it's a mindfulness practice, and it's noticing stillness and movement, and alternating those. About the same amount of time for the resting and the doing, so that there's a there's a rhythm to resting, waiting, and then what does this body shape need to do, and then we do that, and then we rest. What does the body want to do? And this is different than, oh, I should do this because it's part of yoga or my Pilates or something. That's great. Yoga and Pilates great. But that's not what this is. This is just, what is it that this arm, this shoulder wants to do now and do that? What is it that this back wants to do this morning, this day? So it's a check-in with the body. It starts lying down. It moves to sitting, and it ends with standing. So you have a little bit of time at all three levels, close to the ground floor, sitting, standing, and then a little moving around at the end. So it goes through this developmental cycle. And many of us do this every day as a a body check-in. Like, what kind of body am I living in now? And it has no agenda. And there's no way of doing it right or wrong. It's just a mindfulness of body practice that goes off of the cushion and allows us to really get a sense of what you know. What body are we bringing into our client today? Our work, you know, like to be present in the body. To spend a little bit of time, uh, even if it's ten minutes or five minutes for that, just tune you in to this wonderful thing that we, we're living in, this home that we're living in, which is called the body. So anybody can do that. And I think that would be what I would recommend for all of us, not just coaches. But.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's beautiful
1: you... to do prescribed movement, yoga and whatnot. And not, but I just think it's very good to do a little of this kind of open, check-in kind of movement as well every day.
0: Well, yeah, it it speaks to me of this shift of uh, you know it's easy. I mean, I, again, I don't do yoga, but it's easy to uh, I imagine do yoga where it's like the mind is telling the body what to do, you know. And this sounds like it's like no, there's a mo- you're following the movement of the showing, that's you know, true. of what wants to emerge, and that's a different quality of. attunement, you know, that I think really speaks to the whole conversation we've had today and that can allow a certain kind of contact with life, which is inclusive, you know, just, just like my own spiritual practice, you know, I kind of was like caught in a combination of like, um, bypassing (laughs) my humanity,
2: which was, I think,
0: you know, it was actually, uh, Influenced a lot by a kind of more Sutric meditation path of like renouncing the world, and yes, yes. that's why I've appreciated, you know, discovering what would be called like tan- tantric paths, which feel more like refining the self and serving. You know, like um, what is it to live with uh, this body in in this world and uh, our emotional life, but to to work skillfully with those and how they pattern the sense of spaciousness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. uh an and, and sense of place on earth that we might feel. And I hear that in the practices you're describing. I really resonate with that. I think it's, you know, we're we um we're people, you know, for me, like on, on the earth. And so I don't want to transcend, purely transcend life. So anyway, um
1: uh, thank you. That's so that in itself would be an interesting conversation, but I know we're coming to the very close <laughs> time together. <laughs>
0: I'd love that. I, I I'll hold you to that because it's a it's an edge for me right now of what I'm exploring in my own experience. So let's bookmark no, I, that.
1: I'd love that conversation, Joel. Thank
0: you. Mm. Hey, well then, um, it's been really uh, enjoyable to be with you. I'm really pleased to be sharing this with our community. Where can mm-hmm. we find out more about your work just before you go? Yeah, can you point us to your work, like?
1: Um, well, as I said, the videos of men, of much of the work is on the Presidency Institute website and on my own website, which is just my name. Presency Institute website is wwwu schoolorg And um and also there's the book which is describes the practices and is really designed for practitioners, and it's just called Social Presencing Theater the art of making a true move. Uh, true move is, as we've been saying, what is it that comes out of openness? But it also could be, true move could be in word. It's not just on the body, but could be uh, the use of words as well. So I really appreciate being um, invited, Joel. It was really uh, a really enjoyable conversation. And I really uh, wish you the very best with the, with the work that your group is doing. Um, Hopefully our paths cross again.
0: Yeah. Thank you. Here we are. We're at the end of the podcast. Just a a heads up again. If you're not on our mailing list and you want to stay in the loop about other things we create, then head to coachesrising.com. Put your name in the sign-up box there. You'll also find some of our other offerings, our online trainings for coaches there. And just want to end by wishing you well.